Tonight on the Virgin Bible Study, we're going to talk about the failure of fathers. There's a lot going wrong in our world, many things that are troubling in the news. Our culture seems to be collapsing, and we think a lot of the blame lays at the feet of fathers. And so we're going to talk about that in the Virgin Bible Study tonight. Stick with us. We're going to start the program right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday july the 14th 2022. We're glad you're out there listening, uh, and we hope that you'll participate with us in the virtual Bible study tonight. You can do that by calling us at 931-381-4567. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or you can get in the live chat room that is, is alongside the video window that you should be watching right now if you're watching our live stream. So there's several ways to get involved, and we hope you will. We think our program is better when we have a lot of participation. My name is Greg Gwynn. I'm one of the regular hosts of the Virtual Bible Study. With me tonight is my good friend and brother, Josh McCord. Josh, thanks for joining us tonight. It's good to be here. And behind the board, as per usual, Kyle Barnes. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Before we get into our program tonight, or before we get into our topic tonight, we want to really uh, stress that this coming Monday and Tuesday is a, is, a, is a big deal event for us here at College View. We're able to have, again this year, our community Bible study. The last two years we had to suspend it because of COVID regulations and concerns. But we're going to be back at it, Lord willing, Monday and Tuesday. This is this is our big push to, to sort of reach out to people in our immediate Columbia Tennessee, Murray County area, uh, and uh, we usually get a really good turnout. We call it the Community Bible Study. We don't have it here at our church building. We have it at a municipal auditorium right off the square, downtown Columbia. It's called the Memorial Building. So we have information about the event on our website, collegeview.com. You can get on there and find out more information. And you should be able to find the memorial building very easily. It's it's two blocks due west of the of the courthouse square in downtown Columbia. Very easy to find. We're going to be talking about some of the things we're going to be talking about tonight, Josh. We're going to talk. Uh, our our topic uh, is family and parenting concerns in this modern world. Uh, we think that a lot of parents should be concerned. We, we think families need to be alerted to all the things that are going on. Donnie Rader, who, who uh, regularly preaches in Shelbyville, Tennessee, is going to be with us for uh, the community Bible study. Uh, he's a great Bible student, a, a very effective speaker. I know that you will benefit from what he has to say. So if you're in Middle Tennessee, if you're w- within a driving distance of Columbia, please come. I think you'll definitely benefit by being there and, and being in that atmosphere at the Memorial Building. Uh, we certainly hope you'll come if you can. If you cannot, uh, we, we intend to have a live stream going if we can get all of our wires connected. It's, it's a real challenge, and we got some of our guys working on I know Kyle will be involved, and some of our other guys are working on getting all of the bells and whistles hooked up at an off-site location. It's challenging. We can do it easily here because we got, we got our, our wires permanently in place, but at an off-site place it's harder but we hope and believe that we will be able to have a live stream of the event um, monday and tuesday at seven o'clock next week so if you can't come please come if you can but if you can't uh, you can catch it on uh, college view live stream that's our other youtube channel you're watching tonight on the virtual bible study on youtube we have an alternate channel called college view live stream and the live stream will be there you should be able uh, to uh, find that relatively easy uh, if you go to YouTube. And, 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 and you can follow those links even on our uh, uh, homepage, collegeview.com. All right. 
I don't know. Is there anything else I need to say? I think you Josh? covered it. Yeah. But we are looking forward to it. We think it will be beneficial, and we hope everybody who can will come. All right. So earlier today, we sent out to our update list uh, these questions. We always remind you. I don't I hope you don't get weary of our reminders because we want to get new uh, uh, people on our email update list, and if you're not on that list already, you need to be. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list. If you're on our list, you got these questions earlier today. Number one, what are the signs, what are some of the signs that you see in our world, in our culture, that indicate a serious failure of fathers to fulfill their God-given duties? Number two, what are the proper attitudes that parents ought to have toward their children Number three, what are the responsibilities that God has given to parents? And as sub-questions to that, how are fathers specifically obligated? In other words, there's responsibilities of parents generally. But we want to talk about fathers specifically. How are they obligated in regards to their children? And what does the Bible say about accountability for fathers and parents? Number four, what does the Bible say about the duty of parents to discipline their children? And then, more specifically, what do the scriptures teach about corporal punishment? And then, finally, number five, it is always, is it always and necessarily a failure of fathers and parents if children turn out bad? And then we want to specifically address Proverbs 22, verse 6. All right, I think we've got a full plate here, Josh, uh, lots to talk about. Let's start out, start us out, Josh, by just talking about some of the things that you see Indicate we got a problem uh, in, in our culture, uh, and maybe what? How does that connect with what fathers are doing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of observations made, but I I just did a quick search about violent crimes, how they are up, uh, how young people are overdosing on drugs, how young people are having children, and and a lot of those young people that are having children, very young, come from broken homes. So just <clears throat> just uh, in general, a lot of things, probably not exclusively because fathers aren't in homes, but it's a contributing factor. Yeah. If there's not if there's not a father figure in the home, there's going to be uh, issues with children growing up, and they're going to cause trouble, and they're going to be uh, doing violent crimes. They're going to be in jail more often. It, so I think our society, and I think everybody can look around, and you don't have to look at these studies. You can just see the effects of broken homes. And I think Satan's been effective in attacking the home, and we're seeing the result of it in our country. I think you're absolutely correct in all that you said. Uh, I found some of the stats. You, you know, you talked about violence. You know, a lot of these mass shootings, I mean, yeah. it seems like we're hearing more and more about that. It's, it's, it's actually scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the, the, the U.S. Census Bureau says that currently 18.5 million children grow up without their fathers. I, I would have guessed that number probably to be higher than that, but still, even at that, 18.5 million children growing up without a father. So if a father's completely absent from the scene, he obviously can't do his job if he's not even on scene. Right. So that, that uh, the United States has the title of the world's leader in fatherlessness. That's a great that's a great credit to us, isn't it? Eighty five percent of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Get that now. That's that's pretty. High. So you you got a, a, a teen with behavioral problems. Eighty five percent of those teens who have behavior problems come from fatherless homes. Seventy percent of adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment centers originate from homes without fathers. So that's, uh, you've got to say, just from a this-world perspective, right. those stats seem to talk about the importance of fathers, yeah. and it's, and their work is not getting done. Well, it's a vicious cycle, too, because there's broken homes, and so the children that are raised in those homes, not every time, but higher percentage of time, as you pointed out, are going to have issues. Well, then they're going to potentially, unless somebody breaks the cycle, they're going to potentially have the same situation for their children, children, and they're not going to raise them. Exactly, and so it's just a vicious cycle. It's spiraling out of control. Yeah. Uh, Without fathers at home, let's see, uh, children without fathers at home are nine times more likely to drop out of school. Uh, uh, Nine times more likely. That's not 9% more. That's 900% more likely to drop out of school and represent 90% of all homeless and runaway children. So 
uh, it's a big problem. You know, those those stats, uh, th- those were from uh, just a news article on Fox News. That's that's that was not from a religious source. I, but I think pe- even people of the world realize we got a serious problem going on here when when fathers are not in the home, and we're seeing it the ramifications over, over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, you know, sort of from a religious perspective, though, it's been said that uh, the church is just one generation away from apostasy. And I think one of the things from a religious perspective we can point out is that, you know, we we can look around and church buildings aren't full because fathers religiously haven't devoted themselves to God. They haven't trained their children to attend worship services and make God a priority. So from a spiritual perspective, uh, you know, if we want children to be Christians, then we've got to do it ourselves fathers have to do that and they have to make sure their uh, children are set up for success and that's not happening yeah you know i had that on my list too you know so we got all the stats about crime and drug abuse and all that but just if you do statistical studies about the the dimin- the decline in religious faith and activity i mean america has effectively become a secular nation and it's because fathers didn't lead their children in spiritual ways. And now I, I really think that a lot of the reason why we see more violence, why do we see these mass shootings, is because we got young people being brought up without any moral base at all. And if you don't have a moral base, I mean, you're, you're, set, yeah. you're setting your kids up for for all kinds of trouble. Yeah, when, they're, when kids are young, if they're not being taught, you can't just go and attack people if they do something you don't like. Well, then they get grown, and then they start attacking people if, they, yeah. if something happens they don't yeah, like. Yeah. No discipline. You know, we talked recently about violence, we, we, what, the, what the scriptures say about violence. You and I had a, a discussion mm-hmm. about that a couple, three weeks ago on the virtual Bible study. And it's a big problem. But I'm telling you, if, if I don't – just, just apply it to myself. If I don't have a sense of biblical morality and the, and the guy cuts me off in traffic – well, why wouldn't I react with road rage? I mean, maybe I'm a violent person, and I'll just shoot at him. You know, why not? I mean, I don't, I don't have any morals telling yeah. me it's wrong to do. Well, I'm, yeah. You know, so what hinders me? Well, we're getting closer to the days of judges, you know, where yeah. everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. Yeah. And yeah. We're really getting closer to that time again. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple of emails here. Uh, I, I, I want to include this one right up front. I've got, I got a, uh, an email uh, w- with sort of a banner ad in it from my friend Randy in Colorado. Randy and I went to college together 50 years ago. Uh, uh, Randy sent just this sort of banner ad. It says, men, get up, go to church, sit in front, lift your hands in gratitude, worship, pray, give, listen, take notes, respond, celebrate, and lead your family. Be strong. Be a man. Uh, that's, that's all very appropriate, uh, and, and and that's what's not happening, by the way, exactly what's not happening. Um, Kent in Georgia says, as we note society in our day is obvious, uh, see, as we note society in our day, it is obvious that biblical truth, the New Testament church, the home, and Western culture in general are under assault by the forces of unbelief. The majority of fathers have failed in their God-given responsibilities because they either do not know what constitutes those responsibilities or else are not interested in fulfilling them. Worldliness and materialism is destructive of the home. It is sad. It is sadly the case that many fathers and mothers have been so caught up in these problems that they have been blinded to their responsibilities to their children and do not even recognize these dangers in either their own lives nor in the lives of their children. You know, I think that's. I, I think people are just almost oblivious to what's going on. I think Ken's exactly right. Um, I got an email from Timothy in Texas who says the most obvious failure is not being there at all for our children. Uh, he says he is a juvenile juvenile security officer. As such, he says, I see firsthand what the impact of not having a father can do to a child. Being present physically, though, is not enough either. Being in the same room with them while on your phone or watching TV isn't enough. We need to engage our children in one-on-one time, do what they do, engage them in reading, playing games, horseplay, playing ball, exercising, and so forth. Our, li- our time is limited. It is said by the time that our children are 15, 
we have spent over 70% of the time we will ever spend with them. That's kind of interesting, too. All right, thank you, Timothy, for that. So we got a problem. I, th- I, I think we certainly have a problem. Let's see what the Bible says about that. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, let's talk about how parents really should feel. What, what, what kind of attitudes should parents possess toward their children? We'll talk about that when we come back right after this break. Stick with us. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Here's a quick thought. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Isaiah 40, verse 29. When you are weak, he is strong. If you're struggling today, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. How we think shows through in how we act. Attitudes are mirrors of the mind. They reflect thinking. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the virtual Bible study discussing tonight the failure of fathers. We think an awful lot of the problems that we see in our world today can have well, I, I guess the responsibility can be laid at the feet of fathers. If fathers were doing their God-given jobs, a lot of this would be avoided. You know, uh, you're way too young to remember, Josh, and I'm actually too young to remember President Harry Truman. But but it is said that Harry Truman at his desk in the Oval Office had a little sign that said, The buck stops here. Uh, and he was all, he was always appreciated, I think, for having that attitude that he took responsibility. He took the ultimate responsibility. It wouldn't hurt for fathers to maybe stick that on the mirror so that they see it every morning when they're shaving. The buck stops here. It, whatever happens in your family is ultimately your responsibility. And if you fail, then that's your fault. Agree. So the buck stop here for fathers. That, that's an what do you think? What do you think the proper attitudes ought to be? What? What? How should parents really feel about their children, Josh? Well, the first thing I thought about was uh, Psalm 127, beginning at verse three. It says, "Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Uh, so." Children are a blessing from God, and I, and so when I read that question, that's the first thing I thought about. If we view them as such, uh, I, I think I don't I don't know I don't I don't understand that attitude. But I think so many people are like, well, you know, I've got kids now; it's just a huge burden. There's there's a guy I know; he's about my age. The the worst thing that he could ever do would be to get married and have children. He doesn't crazy. Yeah, he just because so it that, take that's a big change time. because generations passed everybody wanted to get married and have yeah. kids no it's it's all about him and they would just ruin everything he wouldn't be able to do the things he wanted to do you know and and so but children are a blessing from god that's how they ought, that's how they that's ought how to we be. ought to view them you know in 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 these uh protests that have broken out since the supreme court overturned the roe versus wade thing on abortion i actually saw a picture of one of the protesters saying and she had two children. Assume, I assume they were her children. And she was holding up a sign that says, no one should be able to force you to do this. And Arrow was pointing toward the two kids. I assume her kids beside her. She didn't, I mean, she obviously, she she resented the the responsibility that had been put upon her because she has yeah. children. What a shame. And I, I'm like you. I think that we should view them as a blessing and as a gift from God. In Genesis 33 when Jacob was returning, he'd been he'd been away for many years. Uh, his brother Esau came out to meet him. It was a really uh, you know tense situation to say the least. But I just picked out a, a a phrase. Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said to Jacob, "Who are these with thee?" And Jacob said, 
the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. And so that, that's the attitude. That, that, that's the way yeah. we ought to feel about that. And, and then beyond just being grateful for them, I think we ought to see them as sort of a, a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I, let's say that I had $20,000 and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to entrust that to you, Josh. I, I, I'm going to be in such a situation where I can't have it on my person and I'm going to entrust you with this $20,000. I mean, you would take that as a serious responsibility to hold that money for me and, uh, you know, I'm entrusting you with that, so to speak. Well, that's the kind of terminology uh, that we that we could employ about children. In Ezekiel 18, verse 4, the Lord says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. So the children are actually the Lord's. The souls of those children belong to God, and he's entrusted right. them with us to guide and protect them. That's that's pretty amazing when you stop Big to think responsibility. about it. That the God of heaven has entrusted to our care souls that belong to him. Right. I, don't, I don't think many parents think about it that right. way. Well, in the chat room, Brian in Texas, uh, he said, Psalm 127.3 speaks to our children being a heritage of God. I see my children on loan from God. I strive to return them unto him, knowing he desires his own to be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Really good. I think yeah. that's exactly yeah. right. I think I believe that that is exactly right. So, again, when parents don't have that outlook or that disposition, we're in trouble. Uh, Kent's email from Georgia says, if parents have a genuine love of God, they will put him first in their lives. As a result of noting the most important priority of loving God first, all of our other God-given responsibilities, such as loving our children, will be recognized and fulfilled because of our love for God, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. When individuals do not love God properly, their view of loving others, including their own children, will be lacking. I thought that was sort of an interesting take. You know, so if I get this priority worked out, I love God. He's the most important thing in my life. Then everything that he, t- that he tells me to do mm-hmm. becomes important to me. And mm-hmm. one of the things he tells me to do is love my children and care for them and provide for them and bring them up, uh, teach them spiritual truths then I will do those things too because I'm doing it out of my love for God that sort of sort, then sort of spills out in everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Good. One thing I thought about it, Greg, too, was having courage, uh, especially so we're talking about all the signs in the world. The first question was about how fathers have failed in their responsibility. I think we've got to have courage. And I really thought about the famous passage in Joshua 24 and verse 15. Uh Joshua had courage, and he was willing to stand up against, uh, stand alone against the whole uh, nation of Israel if he had to. If nobody else chose to serve God, he was going to choose to serve God, and he told them, choose you this day whom you will serve. And so I think we've got to have courage parenting because the world is going to do what the world does. Yeah, do what you're going to do. But he says, as for me and my house, That's right. he, he could speak with absolute determination and, yeah. and full confidence. I'm, uh, I know you, what you, we're going to do. You do what you're going to do. But I'm going to tell you how it's going to be for me and yeah. my family. And 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 fathers need, yeah, we need to have fathers it. to do that. We need fathers with that kind of courage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Um, all right. So uh, a, a lot of our problems, I think, is because parents don't have the right attitudes for their children. What are the responsibilities that God has given to parents? Well, I'm going to start that out by just saying I think pretty obviously he's given us the charge of taking care of them physically. But, you know, even even our world uh, expects that Uh, if if I don't. So so I've got let's say I've got five kids and and they're running around with, uh, you know, dirty little snot noses and and they, they haven't had a bath in a month. And and it's pretty obvious that they're underfed and malnourished and. Yeah, the authorities will come and and make that right if I don't make it right. And no, another, in other words, even from a secular point of view, it's understood you're supposed to take care of the physical necessities of your children. If you're not, it's a form of child abuse, right. child neglect, and you it's crime. We even have laws about that right. kind of thing. So just uh, the people of the world understand you ought to provide for your physical needs. God, of course, assigns that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking in Luke chapter one and verse sixty six. Um, so some of the, some of the people that were around the neighbors that were around, uh, asking about the little baby, John, 
it says, uh, all, And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So all of the people that were there and, and you know, the conversation about the little baby John uh, and uh, what their question was, what's, the, what's this child going to be? What, how is this child going to be? And, you know, they knew all the things that he was supposed to do and how he's, you know, uh, he was going to pave the way for, for Jesus. But that's that's such an important responsibility. You know, yeah. what? how are these kids going to turn out? You know, yeah. it's really uh, this child is either going to be a blessing to the world or is going to be... Uh, a curse to the world and society, and it's up to the parent to make sure they set them up for success. And we're going to talk later about the responsibility yeah. of the individual too, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, but as a parent, you know, my number one goal is to make sure that my kids make it to heaven. Uh, and you know, I've you mean, got to, your goal is not that they get a college education and live in a big fancy mansion well, I mean, in a house. You know, if they get a college degree, that'd be nice. But if they get a degree and they miss heaven, then it doesn't matter. Exactly right. A piece of paper There's doesn't matter. One thing most important of all. Right. I think you're right. Exactly right. Um, in regards to providing for their physical care, as we said, men of the world understand that that's a, a, a reasonable responsibility for parents to fulfill. But God God definitely assigns that. We know First Timothy 5, verse 8, mm-hmm. if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So, yeah, physical care. But I'm going to tell you the other, the other responsibility. The, the other, so there's really two broad general realms, provide for their physical needs Provide for their spiritual needs. That, that of course, is where it, we're having a tremendous failure uh, of fathers in particular. Right. Notice the responsibility of Ephesians 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I've always thought it's kind of significant. You know, we, a lot of times when we use that verse, we try to put that off on parents generally. And I think it is. I think certainly right. mothers... They've got to be concerned with the spiritual upbringing of their children. But the verse states that the ultimate responsibility is fathers. Fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, fathers were put in place by God to be the head of the household. Yeah. Uh, and so mothers obviously play an important role in this as well. But but as you said earlier, the buck stops with the father. He, yeah. He's got to make sure that the, his children are being brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh we're just about to break time, but let me get this uh, from Kent. He said, Paul summarized the duties of fathers in Ephesians 6, verse 4. And your fathers provoke not your children wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, both father and mother, have a dual responsibility in childrearing. Because the father is the head of the home, he must take the lead in rearing the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. While both parents have an accountability in properly bringing up their children, fathers are accountable to God in the leadership responsibility in this regard. We wonder how many fathers actually engage in teaching their children the word of God. That's a pretty good question. You know, it does seem like a lot of times fathers want to just sort of shuffle that duty up. Uh, Let the mom teach them Bible stories. Uh, Let the mom help them with their Bible class lesson. And and fathers are detached and uninvolved in the matter, and they're neglecting a God-given job. Yeah, they need to hear it from their father yeah. uh, as well as their mother. You know, uh, real quickly, before I ask the, the follow-up there, how are fathers specifically obligated? And I think we, we have uh, have made that point. They are obligated in the sense that they are to be the heads of the families, and as the heads of the family, it it, it ultimately all falls at their feet. If they're not doing their job, it's it's they're responsible. If if the mother's not doing her job, it's his fault too. It, it, it's his problem too. So he can't say, well, you know, yeah, look at my wife; she's just a complete failure. Well, but you're responsible for the conduct of your wife. You're the head of the family, so everything falls back upon the on the husband ultimately. Uh, j- just on this matter of headship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. It's, in our world, it's not politically correct to, to, to denote this, but in our world, God has given men the headship responsibility. Maybe another one of the big reasons we have all these problems, Josh, is because society is rejecting the, the order of authority in right. the home. Well, and, you know, the things are being attacked, toxic masculinity, you know, yeah. we're, we're afraid for a man to act like a man now. Yeah. But but 
uh, from a biblical perspective, a man needs to stand up and be a man, needs to be a head of a household, needs to be a father. And, and if you're, you know, that's a, that's a big task. It's really, you got to step up to the plate as yeah. a father to take on this task. And, and I think that fathers need to be sort of eyes wide open to what's going on in their families and the dangers that their families are being exposed. There's a lot of dangers in our world. And so let's say that you were um, out at the lake and and your kids are playing in the water. You're going to be eyes wide open. There's danger there. Something could happen to them. I I like them them to be able to play in the water, but I'm going to keep my eyes uh, open because of the danger that could result. I mean, in all physical, that's probably a bad example, but in all physical conditions, fathers are perceptive to dangers or should be. Mm -hmm. I'm saying they should be. That's obviously not the case. But sadly, not so much in spiritual matters. Uh, I was was looking today at uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, You know, uh, so the, the prodigal son goes off and, uh, wastes his substance in riotous living. But, you know, he didn't decide to do that all at once. Right. There had to be some warning signs. This mm-hmm. kid is going off in the wrong direction. This kid is, this kid is not what he, he, he's, he's not thinking right. And, and so if that was your kid and you saw some of those warning signs, you'd need to be perceptive to the warning signs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've got to be paying attention to what's there, going there's on. There's all kind of evil influences. No. That's all right. right. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Kyle, before we hit this mid, mm. mid, program break no i think it's uh, parents have to be perceptive have to be you, you see things going you can see things going in anyone in their lives or you see your children the influences they're around their friends that they keep so yeah yeah i think to be guardians you know, we've talked before uh, on the virtual bible study and, and in lots of lessons and sermons we talk about peer pressure that's one of the dangers that parent fathers need to have their eyes wide open to the kind of people that our kids are hanging out with yeah. Well, you know, another kind of pressure, though, Greg, as far as peer pressure from a father's perspective is all the other parents are allowing it to be done. Maybe other parents in the church are allowing kids to go do something. And so fathers think, well, I guess maybe it's OK and not standing up and, that way. And as you well. have to be you, again, you have to be perceptive to the dangers to your children, regardless of right. what others may be doing. You've got to be perceptive to those problems. All right. When we come back, we're going to we, I want to talk. I want to spend just a little bit more talking about what God says, how accountable parents are. I want to talk about accountability of fathers and parents when we come back from this break. Stay with us. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When the Apostle Paul preached his famous sermon on Mars Hill in Athens, his teaching received three distinct reactions. Notice the reading here from Acts 17, beginning verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Do you see it? Some rejected the teaching immediately. Others procrastinated or withheld judgment and did nothing. But some enthusiastically accepted the truth and acted upon it. The same three reactions are in evidence to this day when people hear the preaching of the gospel. Consider this scenario. The preacher preaches a hard sermon that exposes sin and worldliness. It's one of those sermons that steps on toes and hits close to home. Some folks will grow angry. The things taught suggest the need to change, and they're not willing to do so. They are happy to hear preaching on things they already agree about, but if a lesson contradicts their existing views or practices, they get mad. They are like those in Athens who mocked. Some other folks will hear this same sermon, and while it plainly shows that there are things they need to change in their life, they postpone any action. 
These are the ones who commend the preacher as they go out the door saying, I really needed that, or you really stomped on my toes today, and yet they do nothing. They continue in their former ways, effectively saying, we will hear thee again of this matter. Thank God that there are those who are tender-hearted, those who are always looking to bring their life into closer harmony with the will of God. These are the folks who, upon hearing the truth, respond by putting it into practice in their lives. If it means changing from what they have previously believed, they will do so. Their commitment is to the Lord. Serving Him is their first priority. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that virtual Bible study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College View Church of Christ by going to our website, collegeview.com. Remember, College View spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E, College View, V-U-E. So it's collegeview.com. And there's all kinds of resources. Kyle, we got all kinds of video and audio and printed resource. Well, they're not printed, but they're, they're, they're textual resources at collegeview.com. Yeah, a lot of stuff on there. You can, a lot of additions to your Bible study, a lot of stuff to find. Yeah, so check us out. Remember, you can you can look at our YouTube channel that Kyle keeps all up to date with playlists and everything, College View Live Stream on YouTube. And then, of course, there's this uh, channel, the Virtual Bible Study. So there's a lot of resources out there. You know, we were talking uh, the other day, Josh, about... As our society becomes more and more anti-God, there, there's, there is some expressed concern that they might come after people who are condemning homosexuality, who are teaching against abortion, uh, uh, all those kind of things. We're actually pretty discoverable at, at the College of Church of Christ because we've got all kinds of information out there that denote what we believe the Bible teaches on on. Moral issues that are current. Right. I mean, we're not just trying to be against political correctness, but we're just trying to teach the truth of the Bible, and that happens to stand against what the world's wanting to go to. Exactly right. Exactly right. What about, so let's just touch this base one more time, Josh. What about the accountability of fathers? What, what, how, how, how serious is this? What, what, what should we expect about how God will hold us responsibility uh, responsible if we fail well you know i a lot of things that can be said but you know one of the things i thought about was about uh king david in the bible king david just a good man uh he's praised in the bible but he had wicked children uh and one of the things in first kings one and verse six uh talking about adonijah his son it said and his father had not displeased or rebuked him at any time and saying why hast thou done so and he also was a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. Uh, it tells us why some of his kids were wicked, because he didn't rebuke he them. He never rebuked them. Exactly. Yeah, he was a good man. He, he wanted to fear God, but he didn't rebuke his children. And so uh, King David, as a good man, so if I want to be a good man, you know, I'd follow some of David's examples. But he wasn't perfect, and one of the things he, he struggled in was rebuking his children. So exactly. responsibility for me is to rebuke my children. If they're doing wrong, I can't let them get to an adult. And because of this business of divine accountability. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, God's going to hold him accountable. So in judgment, he he could very well say, well, yeah, you you did some other stuff. But the, the one big failure that I hold you responsible for is your children weren't disciplined yeah. like they should be. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the cla- that's, an inter- that's an interesting Old Testament example. And I kind of think the classic Old Testament example is Eli. Sure. Uh, in First Samuel chapter two, verse twelve, it says the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord, and 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 of course they were very corrupt people. And, and his two sons were very corrupt, and they were corrupting others. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot in that text, boy. It, it's really a potent text. First Samuel chapters two and three. In chapter three, God sends a message to Eli by the young boy Samuel, who would later become judge. In 1 Samuel 3, verse 12, the Lord says, In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. See that? 
He, he, I, I'm going to judge his house. I'm, I'm holding Eli responsible because his sons were out here committing sins, uh, and he knew it, and he didn't do anything to stop them. Now, you know, we understand there's this sense of individual accountability. So he's not he's not holding Eli responsible for the sins that his sons did. They're going to be responsible for their own sins. But he's going to hold Eli responsible because he didn't even do anything about it. Eli had a responsibility, and he didn't fulfill it. His sons are going to be accountable for their sins. Eli's sin was he didn't he didn't even teach or restrain them from doing evil. Didn't even make an effort at it. Yeah. He knew what they were doing and didn't try to stop them. And so right. God was going to hold him accountable. Well, it's kind of interesting. When they're young, when they're in your house, you really, obviously, you're you're really uh, overseeing, and it's it's on you as as to how they act, you know. And, and then there becomes this time where they leave your house. If they choose to do wrong, they choose to sin. Then we still have a responsibility how we react to it. Do I condone it? Am I am I just allowing it to be so and act like I'm okay with it? You still have to respond to it in the correct way. Yeah, and, yeah. and Eli. It, seems that he never tried to correct them and he never tried to do anything about their their bad activity yeah um you know if we do our job there's there's going to be a blessing for doing this job ultimately eternity can hinge on how well yeah. we did this job but even in this life there's a blessing proverbs 23 verse 24 the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him thy father and thy mother shall be glad and she that bear thee shall rejoice in this time there's a there's a, a blessing that comes from doing your job as a parent but on the other hand if you fail Proverbs 10, verse 1, a wise son maketh his father, uh, maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. You want to have heartache and heaviness. You want to have grief and sadness. You know, let your kids run wild. Don't teach them uh, moral values. And I, I can guarantee you, we know, Josh, we know people whose lives are just pretty much a wreck because they didn't deal with their children the way they should have when they had the chance. Right. Uh, in the chat room, Eric Hickson says, we're accountable for teaching them and rebuking them and raising them right. However, they are, will be accountable for their actions and decisions. They are adult. They are ultimately free moral agents. Right. Uh, so at some point they become accountable to God and they, they make their own uh, calls. But if, if, if we as, I think Eric's right about mm-hmm. that, but if we as parents haven't given them a basis for making the right moral choice, then we're accountable. Yeah, and what a shame that is. So I, I live right. I do everything I can to do right, but I never discipline my kids. They they just as wild as they can be. And then on on judgment day, so well, I mean, I lived right. I never did any of the wrong things, but I didn't uh, discipline my kids. And I didn't rebuke them. What a, what a shame that is. I mean, yeah. it's part of it's part of our job as parents. To what Eric was saying in his comment, I think he's exactly right. Ezekiel 18 really addresses that. Ezekiel 18, beginning verse five: If a man be just and do what is uh, that which is lawful and right. Walketh in my statutes and hath kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord. If he begets a son who is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth alike to any one of these things, he shall not live. He hath done these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Ezekiel 18, verse 20. So there is a sense, surely the sense that they will they will grow up to be fully accountable, free moral agents. Our job is to put them in a position to make the right choices. And if we don't, then we will be accountable. Uh, real quickly here, let me see what uh, Kent says. Rearing children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord uh, is inclusive of proper discipline oh wait a minute that's that's about discipline i think we've already covered it let's 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 hold that let's take our last break when we come back let's talk about the parental duties of discipline uh because that's part of that's a part of a father's job in being the head of the family and rearing his children part of his job is going to be the the discipline of children so we'll grab that and we'll go to the top of the hour right after this break stay with stay with us on the virtual bible study are you listening There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study. 
and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Half of Americans, that's 52%, agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but say that he was not God. Three out of five Americans, 59%, agree that the Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. One out of five, that's 19%, say the Holy Spirit can tell them to do something that is forbidden in the Bible. Two-thirds of U.S. adults, 64%, say God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That information is via Lifeway Research. The Word of God says in Mark 8, verse 18, Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do you not remember? Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study talking about the failure of fathers. God has given fathers an awesome, important responsibility. And sadly, in our world, uh, fathers are failing badly. And we're talking about that in our in our virtual Bible study discussion tonight. We want to talk about discipline, Josh. Uh, what does the Bible say about the duty of parents to discipline their children? Yeah, the Proverbs have a lot to say about it. Uh, in Proverbs 19... In verse 18, so it's talking to fathers here in verse 13. So the foolish son is a calamity of his father, and it goes on. And in verse 18 in Proverbs 19, it says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his cry. So while there's hope. There's a window of opportunity. Yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be a time come where that hope is lost because they've, they've went too far. They've, they've, you, wait, you waited too long. Yeah, you waited too long. And so yeah, chasten, yeah. chasten thy son while there's hope. And so really that starts when they're young. You know, yeah. you know we've, we've got little ones. And pretty early on, pretty early they, on, they, they start learn. having a little attitude. And they yeah. start, you know, yeah. so, so you really have to start early. I mean, you can't wait. They don't others. get that from you, though. Well, <laughs> we don't, let's not talk about that. <laughs> but, but they have to be corrected. Uh, you know, if you yeah. let them go till they're even five or six years old, you've waited yeah. way too, you're yeah. way behind yeah. uh, before you start correcting yeah. them. In Proverbs 22 and verse 15, it says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So children are, are, uh, Foolish, and that they're just they're just ignorant of knowledge that you learn as you grow they got, up. They got they got to be taught because it, right. it's not inherent. Yeah, they're, they're going to do foolish be wise, things and unless you be train true. them. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to you have to discipline them in order to do that. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs twenty three, beginning of verse thirteen says, "Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell." Yeah. So when when you discipline a child, when you when they are spanked for doing something bad, and they learn that you know, hey, I don't want to be spanked. That kind of hurts, and I don't. Yeah. So it teaches them to not do the things, because you know the thing is, spanking is gonna gonna hurt them a little bit, and they're gonna learn from it. But it's better to spank them. And like this verse is talking about the consequences, especially the eternal consequences, are are much more worse if you, they don't learn it, to. He's do not right. gonna die from a spanking. That's right. But you will save his soul from death. That's right. Yeah. So so important. Yeah, uh, I got. I, I had a similar list of yours, Josh. Uh, a, a couple more from Proverbs. Proverbs thirteen, verse twenty-four: He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. In other words, if you, it, it's actually a sign that you don't love your children as you should if you do not 
properly discipline them. If you just yeah. kind of let them go, a lot of people say, ah, I can't bring myself to punish my kid. I especially can't bring myself to, to spank my child. Well, discipline is an act of love. Yeah. The, he who spares the rod hates his son. Proverbs 13, verse 24. And then Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Now, we were talking about this a minute ago. Do your job and your life, your own life will be enriched if you do your job. Discipline your child, discipline your son. He will give you peace. The implication is if you don't discipline him, you will have no peace. Right. And we know parents who are in that very right. sad circumstance because they didn't discipline their children. Now their lives are com- a complete train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of verses right before that in verse 15, Proverbs 29, says the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So if, if you're not disciplined a child, you just leave them to themselves. Well, it's they're going to turn out in not a good way. And yeah. so it's going to bring his mother to shame. Um, as a follow up to that question, Josh, I ask, what do the scriptures teach about corporal punishment? We understand that corporal punishment involves physical punishment. Uh, uh, corporal, C-O-R. P-O-R-A-L, corporal punishment, is physical punishment, we, mm-hmm. it, we, and we most generally associate that with uh, spanking. Uh, the, I thought it was interesting that the American Academy of Pediatrics, of course, has come out to urgently discourage parents from using any form of corporal punishment. And here's what they say, the problems of it. They say... Then I think these people are completely discredited. If this is their view, they don't even they don't have a, a clue what they're talking about. American Academy of Pedi- uh, Pediatrics uh, says that the consequences of corporal punishment, like spanking, is it makes behavior worse. It's ineffective. It hurts relationships. It's linked to mental illness. You know, they just exactly said, they said just exactly the opposite of what the Bible yeah. says about it. Yeah. Well, uh, so that's what they said. But God said, if you if you don't do that, you don't love your child. If you don't do that, yeah. they're going to bring your mother to shame. Yeah. So, you know, regardless. Who, so so I, I got an option for you here, John. You want to accept the, 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 the wisdom of the American Academy of Pediatrics or accept God's wisdom as expressed. In I'm the, taking God on this. Yeah. One. yeah me plus, too. plus our own, our own um, lives. You know, we've witnessed it and seen it. There, children that are disciplined are going to be more well behaved, even, even very small children than those that aren't. I mean, we, and we, we gonna, see and that. You know, even like you said, even among very young children, if you, if you see a situation where you got a kid here, who's, who's well disciplined, well behaved, they're happy. You see a kid who has not been disciplined. They're wild. They're ready, but they're not even happy about it. Yeah. They're they're griping and complaining and carrying on all the time. That's that's true in in young children, and it and it magnifies as they get older. Yeah. Well, it's a tough job. You know, Kristen and I were just talking about this. We've got to be consistent, and and we're not perfect. We make mistakes in that sometimes, but we've got to be consistent and putting expectations out there for kids. And you know, and they're going to do things, and we're going to have to discipline. They're they're they've got to learn. But we can't give up just because it's difficult. You know, it's yeah. a it's a job God gave to us. We've got to work at it. Exactly right. Kent says, rearing children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is inclusive of proper discipline. Such discipline is both instructive and punitive. Not all correction necessitates corporal punishment. However, some disciplinary actions, especially when disobedience is based upon rebellion, is deserving of corporal punishment. He mentions the verse we read in Proverbs 23, 12, following Hebrews 12, verse 6 and 11, we talked about God's punishment of those of us as his children. Children must be taught to respect the concept of authority. If children are not taught to respect parental authority, they will find it very difficult to learn to respect civil authority as well as New Testament authority. Interesting. I think you're right, Kent. We're not teaching our kids to even respect any form of authority. Right. All right. Finally, so our point in our whole study tonight has been Fathers are badly failing, uh, and there's so much evidence of it in our world and in our culture. But here's here, – and I do think that a lot of the fault a, – a lot of the fault lays right at the feet of fathers who haven't done their job. They've either been absent totally or they've been negligent. Even if they are in the home, they're negligent in fulfilling their duties. I think a lot of the blame has to fall at the feet of the fathers. But here's the last consideration, Josh. I ask, is it always and necessarily a failure of fathers and parents in general if children turn out bad? 
And then specifically, what about Proverbs 22.6? Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So if, if I've trained up my child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart, he will not turn from it or depart from it. So here's a father and his kid is bad. So here's a father and his kid has grown up and now his kid has no use for God. He maybe even claims he's an atheist. Uh, He's immoral. He's indecent. He's vulgar. Is it necessarily so that, that we can say it is all the father's fault? Now we already talked about individual accountability. We already talked about the fact that that kid is a free moral agent when he grows up and he's making his own choices now. But can, can we say that it is always the case and absolutely true that the father failed if the, if, if a child turns out bad? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not comfortable saying that because I, you know, but one of the things is we don't we don't know what exactly has went on behind closed doors and we don't see everything that's happened. Uh, what we do know, though, is if you do things right, if you raise your child right, if you discipline them correctly, if you teach them a love for God, then the proverb writer says that when they're old, they'll still hold on to that. But people, as we mentioned, are free moral agents. You can you can do everything right. You can make sure your kids are attending the services. You can live right in front of them, You and they can have influences come in their lives and cause them to make bad decisions, and they fall away. That and that is on them. That's right. If, if you have a job to do, and if you do it in in good faith and to the best of your ability, then that's all you can do. Yeah. Uh, and so, so th- this proverb, remember that it's a proverb, and by definition, the proverbs are generally true statements. They're not unconditionally true statements. Uh, I, I always relate that to one of the proverbs. I should have written it down. Which one is? It? Uh, he who findeth a wife findeth a good, good thing. thing. Well, that's generally true. It's not always true. We know some men who found wives and their wives turned out to be a bad thing. But generally, it is true. And that's the nature of all the Proverbs. It's They are generally true statements. It is generally true that if you train up a child in the way he should go, uh, when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's generally true. It's a proverb, though. And there can be exceptions uh, to the, the proverbial truth. Um so I, I, you know, unfortunately, I've known I've known of preachers who would beat people over the head with Proverbs twenty two six, parents who already feel badly if their children are not doing well, and then maybe somebody uses that verse as sort of a, a, a club to make parents feel even worse. We got to do our job, and I think if your children turn out bad, that it would. Requ- it, I, I think almost inevitably you would do some soul searching what did mm-hmm. i do wrong sure. but it but it's not always the parents fault uh real quickly from kent in georgia he says proverbs 22 6 is a general truth with some important implication uh, the word train is a translation of the hebrew word shanak which primarily means to put in one's mouth with a figurative application, which means to initiate or lay the groundwork of character to instill principle. The verse presupposes the child receiving the principles that have been taught and to form them into his character. Parents have a divine responsibility in this training and, and children have an equal responsibility of receiving such training. If children reject the training or if parents fail to give the proper training, the conclusion which Solomon stated does not follow. While parents have failed both God and their children by not providing the proper training, there are also given situations where parents have faithfully taught both by word and example the truth of God to eventually see their children fall away from the truth that they have been properly, even though they've been properly taught. It is interesting to note the Old Testament examples of Eli and Samuel. God condemned Eli for what he did not do, but no word of blame is attached to Samuel regarding the matter uh, when his own sons fell away. The reason being that Samuel, apparently with proper training, attempted to train his child, his sons through, through proper restraint, while Eli made no effort at all to turn his sons from their evil ways. Proverbs 22, 6 does not teach the impossibility of apostasy. And it actually would be. <clears throat> if It would be teaching that it would be impossible for a child to sin if we taught them right, yeah. Yeah. There's, right, there's no such guarantee. Well, you know, it's interesting. Cain and Abel had the same parents. Isaac and Ishmael you know, <coughs> had the same father. It's kind of interesting how two different paths can be taken from 
from the same set of parents. Kind yeah, of interesting. exactly right. All right. I think it's an important discussion. Kyle, any final thoughts? No, I think our society today is um, undervalues a father. And I think some people are starting to realize that we've made a mistake here. I think we need to make sure men need to be fathers when people need fathers in their lives, a father figure. We don't need father figures. We really need fathers. That's right. Exactly and, right. Yeah. So we need to make sure our society needs to value fathers more and fathers need to step up and be responsible. Exactly so, right. Yeah. Josh, you've got a lot of jobs oh, uh, to do, <clears throat> but there's not any of them more important than raising those kids. I know. I know. Yeah, studies like this make me just make me think about it more. I, I need yeah. to be even busier than I have been. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our virtual Bible study for tonight. We hope it's helpful. Remember our community Bible study at the Memorial Building in downtown Columbia next Monday and Tuesday night at 7. Uh, hope we can see some of you there. If not, Lord willing, we'll be back here next Thursday night, same time, same place. Uh, plan to join us for the virtual Bible study. In the meanwhile, read and study your Bibles. Live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.